Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 11 of the Holding Court podcast. We've got a very special guest today, one of our best friends, Clint Carlton, the third musketeer of the Justin Turner Foundation and a very important part of the LA Dream Center. We'll be talking MLB's current situation, Michael Jordan's latest competition, It's a Little Fishy, USC finally reinstating Reggie Bush, and when the House of Mouse Disneyland will be officially back. I am sitting here with my co-host, Justin. Hello. And our special <laughs> guest today, I guess a special co-host, if you'll hang out with us, Clint Carlton. Honored. Honored to be in the third chair today. Yeah, first time. First time we've had our third guest, special guest, live in studio. So this is going to be... Uh, this is unprecedented territory right here. Yeah, it's a beginning of a new chapter. We're all wearing masks right now, and Clint is actually on the other side of the room. I don't even, I can't even see him. Me being the handyman <laughs> that I am, I actually installed <laughs> glass windows between the three of us to make sure. Plexiglass. Yeah, we all have our own microphones. They were disinfected. Yes. Wiped down. We take all the proper precautions at the Holding Court podcast. You know, Clint was, you know, Full of words and so talkative, and now we've started, and he hasn't chimed in <laughs> once. Yet. Well, I'm not sure what you guys want me to do. So that's all right. We'll just get right into it. Of the three people sitting here, two of them have a food bank named after them. <laughs> hey, and we can talk about the Justin and Courtney Turner food bank at the Dream Center. Is my name for it's Justin and Courtney? It's You're Justin in- and Courtney. I, I we went it. alphabetical, I guess. Yeah, I think that's how it works. It should be the Courtney and Justin food bank, but. Well, we can switch them around if you want to. I think it's there's a plaque already chiseled or uh, engraved. I don't know if we can switch it out. I don't think we can switch I it out. I think Courtney will go up and chisel it after we're done here today. Yes. yes. Tell us a little bit about how we got to that point. After it, we've talked so much on the podcast about the drive-up food line and everything uh, for the last several months. So I guess, yeah, take us back to how we landed on Justin and I having a food bank named in our honor. Well, we were 82 days in, and uh, Pastor Matthew Barnett, he obviously spearheads the whole project for us at the Dream Center. And so uh, he texted me one night. He said, hey, I want to name the food bank after Justin and Courtney because of what you guys have done in the Los Angeles community, helping us serve over 850,000 meals to the community through the the drive through the carousel compassion is what it was called. Ooh, and so I like that. So oh. we we wanted to rename the food bank after you guys. I was calling it the fastest drive through in the country because it really was. It really was the fastest drive through, and and uh, you know you guys reached out to so many restaurants in Los Angeles to keep them going. Uh, we're still getting text messages of restaurants that are having to shut down due to the COVID crisis. And, and we were able to uh, help out a few restaurants through the foundation and, and through the dream center of, of serving food. And, and uh, we renamed the food bank, the dream center food bank. We renamed it the Justin and Courtney Turner food bank last Friday, as we closed out 82 days, obviously the dream center is a diner. It's a restaurant. Uh, so we were able to move things back into the building. Uh, once the, County of Los Angeles let us know we were okay to open back up. We were able to move back into the building, so we were able to get rid of the drive-through. That's awesome. And you know, I learned a few things um, while Pastor Matthew was talking before he unveiled our little plaque that we have. I shouldn't say little. Our nice. It is substantial. Plaque. It, it's a it's a nice size plaque. It's a good size. Uh, but he was talking about how you know sixty food banks in the area are relying on the Dream Center to provide them meals as well. So it goes well beyond just the drive up and feeding families. It, it, you guys had a program where um, you guys were actually delivering meals to um, the elderly folks who weren't supposed to leave their home because they couldn't. And uh, you guys were delivering meals there. And if you guys are, uh, you know, providing food uh, to 60 food banks in the area. That is incredible. And that was something I didn't know until the other day. Yeah. So 60 food banks, 60 different uh, nonprofits come to us weekly. Uh, They come to us weekly and they receive food from us. And right now the USDA is sending a lot of uh, boxes of produce to us, a lot of boxes of chicken. Uh, They have the farmers to family bill right now uh, that really helps us get food out Um, as well as different restaurants they give to us. And, And we supply 60 nonprofits. Plus we do 23 other feeding sites 
in the Los Angeles area, different project areas uh, where people can't drive in. Uh, we actually go to them. So we process, we process about a million pounds of food a month through that wow. food bank. So the Justin and Courtney Turner Food Bank is going to process one million pounds of food a month, uh, you know, here in Los Angeles. So that's incredible. And I don't, I don't want to get into politics, but I, I know uh, there was some stuff that happened with, um, I think the FDA you were talking about where before there was some legislation where you had to get a bunch of stuff signed off on and improved. And now they've kind of worked with you, right? So you guys are able to, to get more field or more food in at a more rapid pace and distribute uh, more food on a weekly basis, right? Yeah. So we work with uh, the USDA out in uh, Long Beach and the guy uh, noticed Long what Beach? we were doing through COVID. Ooh. Yeah. Long Beach. And, and he noticed what we were doing through COVID and the whole coronavirus crisis and, and said, you know, you guys send out the food, how you guys want to send it out. I've been watching you guys on Instagram, uh, you know, through social media and what you guys are doing is incredible. So that that's how we're doing it now. And we're able to feed a lot more people and a lot more families because of, because of it. That's awesome. I'm, I'm glad they loosened up the grips on that and, uh, realized that you guys had an opportunity to, to feed so many more people by kind of relaxing that, what was it, a, a guideline or, or whatever it was, but, uh, I'm glad that they realized that and, and loosened it up a little bit and it's, it's awesome. And I said this the other day, um, you know, court and I both, both talked a little bit, but, uh, you know, we just follow your guys' lead at the dream center and pastor Matthew is, uh, so inspirational to all of us because when stuff happens, you guys just run straight out in the community and start serving and lifting people up and, uh, you know, putting your hands on people and, and let them know you're there. And, uh, we kind of just follow your lead and, and ride your coattails. And, um, you know, by no means were we supporting you guys because we were hoping to get a plaque on a wall, but it was a tremendous gesture by you guys. And, uh, we're, we're tickled to death that, uh, you know, you thought of us in that light. I thought my proudest moment this year was going to be when Pink's hot dogs wrote my name in mustard <laughs> on a hot dog plaque or what was the hot dog display Yeah, when yeah. we did their night for our fundraiser, I guess, for um, JTF for the their, 80th, their 80th year. I thought that was going to be my shining moment to see my name in mustard. And I have to say that definitely took the cake. Sorry, Richard <laughs> Pink. We love you. But this definitely was pretty special. Are they, are they open back up yet? They're, they're close, I don't think right? Pink's is open back up yet. They're no. close though. They're getting, yeah. I talked to Richard a couple weeks ago. Hopefully they open up. That's a good hot dog. I enjoyed that hot dog. <laughs> It was so good. We, Clint and I enjoyed some chili cheese. I know you're dairy free, but we hopped in on the chili cheese dog and I got something. I got some special spicy one. Yeah. I don't remember the names. There's so many hot dogs. It's hard to even keep track, but I asked for like some, they don't do, uh, they don't do eggs, right? Was it eggs? They can't do eggs, Uh but anything else, any other topping you want, they'll, uh, they'll make it happen. You wanted to create your own dog and they offered to do that with you, but you wanted to do a breakfast. I wanted like a eggs and bacon and all that stuff, but like a pancake, maybe sprinkled on top of there. You guys are making me hungry now. Oh, (laughs) we'll make this quick, Clint. Don't make me hungry. (laughs) Should we take a time out and head to McDonald's, Clint? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but it's, I think a lot of places are starting to open up and you know, have their plan for what their business or their organization is going to look like moving forward. And so it's definitely going to be great to see that transition for you guys. And I know you're starting to take in new residents and a lot of people are going to be in need of a lot of help in this time. Yeah. And, I, and really, you know, my mindset is disaster relief and, and we move on real quick to the next thing. And, and obviously we have the kitchen running in, you know, a few days after we shut it down, we shut down the drive-through, I was already focused on the next thing. And we're having a lot of fires break out here in Los Angeles now. And so, you know, I, I told Dion, I said, Hey, get the truck ready, you know, repack it, ready gas to it go, up. gas it up because we might be called out again in mm-hmm. the next weekend because of a fire that broke out somewhere, because that's what the dream center does. As you just said, is the dream center reaches out to everyone. Uh, I remember last year we went to a fire, uh, down off the one Oh one in, we basically helped a bunch of ranchers get their horses uh, out into a parking lot and, and help save some horses. So we help everyone, every spectrum of the, you know, every spectrum of the land. Save a horse, ride a cowboy. That's right. right Clint? <laughs> Did you saddle up one of the horses, Clint? <laughs> no, I didn't. I, I gave out bo- water bottles to the uh, To people. the horses? Yeah. Oh, to the <laughs> I, Yeah, I didn't hear about that one. I would have hopped about, on yeah. there. Yeah. Bareback. Thanks for the invite, man. Yeah. I would have bear. I did a little riding back in the day. Yeah. 
I could have done it. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> time to reel it in. Let's. I'm let's, just gonna avoid that you just said bareback on the, on the podcast. <laughs> That's what it's called when you ride yeah, without a without saddle. Without a saddle. Uh, yep, it is easy there, guy. <laughs> I don't want to have to check the explicit box when I submit my podcast to Apple yeah. this week. So let's just clean pump, it up, Clint. Pump the brakes. Pump the Come brakes. Come on. It's a family show for now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will explain to everyone. So our foundation, a lot of times when people will email us and I'll shoot an email back or Justin or Clint, you'll shoot an email back. And everyone is always really surprised that we're such a small foundation and that if you are reaching out, you're going to get one of the three of us. And... So I guess, yeah, we can kind of tell the story about how that all came to be, how the foundation came to be, and this little family that we have right here. So uh, I met Clint, I think it was in 2004, 2004, 2005. Clint, do you remember the day? I mean, oh my gosh. I, <laughs> I was going to you know, say like 14, right? When, when uh, we you were, know we someone. A, we were doing a video or something in 2004. We were, we're extras. Movie, you were yeah, extras. we were movie oh, extras. there you go. <laughs> no, when you feel like you've known someone forever, you just fudge the date. I'm usually really good with my memory. 2014. Yeah. I did that. I did that the other day on the Dodger Zoom. I was trying to talk about when we won the national championship in 2004. And I, and I texted you I from said the other 2014. room. So maybe text, that's where you're at. I know. Maybe. I did text you from the other room and I was like, you won in 2014? Did you yeah. go back to college? I'm just trying to get your degree. I'm trying to get younger. That's all. Oh, I thought you were trying to go back and finish up. Anyways, so 2014. 2014. 2014 we had a, it was a Dodger Wives outreach that I think you and Ellen Kershaw had mm-hmm. planned together. And I took a tour of the Dream Center and I told this story a million times and I went home and told Justin about it and all the programs that they do and just told them that we had to get involved more. And I think from there, that was when our friendship grew. And I think, when was it? So two years years later after we had because we had participated in the backpack drive and night of dreams and christmas uh, toys. yeah the christmas toy drive and everything and then clint the man of ideas always coming up with fun ideas for us to get on board with came to us with a little plan yeah well i remember going to going to dinner with justin i think you were out of town that night and and we went to this was probably 2015 and we went Not to dinner 2005. one night <laughs> Went to dinner one night. We went over to the Grove, right? No, some uh, restaurant. Uh, Third. It, it was the Mixology place. I thought. I don't know. Whatever. Some, it was. It was a good restaurant. They yeah. had a great uh, pasta. It was a good pasta. Yeah, that's all I remember. Uh, so Mixology. Yeah, it was. Or it was Planet Daily. Mixology. Planet Daily. Anyway. The upstairs one at the Grove. Oh, Mixology. We used to always go to uh-huh. Mixology. Yeah, so yeah. we went and, and hung out at a restaurant, and I remember asking you uh, kind of what, you know, what your passions were, what pulled your heartstrings, and, and you know, where you kind of wanted to go, and, and that's what kind of led to the almost the foundation starting because really I think that, that most athletes and, and, you know, people of influence, they, they do want to start something. They do have a passion to do something. Uh, but they don't know where, you know, where that goes, where that heads. And so, so we sat down and he, you know, Justin, you talked to me about uh, the, you know, kids deal with life altering illnesses, which is cancer and, and blood disorders and, and different things. But you also talked about your vision uh, for homeless veterans and for veterans. And, and obviously we see you all the time, shake the veterans hand at Dodger Stadium. You're one of the first ones to do it. You give them a baseball and then, you know, we go from there. And so, what we start, you know, that was back in 2015. And then I came to you guys in 2016 and said, Hey, would you guys want to start a golf tournament? And, and obviously at the time we were starting to raise money for a veterans home at the dream center, which would be the men's veterans home. Uh, we were starting the men's veterans home. And, and, uh, I think without any thinking you and Courtney were like, yes, let's do it. And, and that's when, uh, the Justin Turner golf classic started. That was a whirlwind. That was a, uh, we, we threw together as a golf tournament in like two months, was it? Yeah, we you did it at the Rose say Bowl. two months. To me, it felt like three weeks, honestly. It felt very, unless I waited to the last minute to do everything, which sounds accurate. It was, yeah. Well, behind the scenes, behind time. the scenes, we were working on it for quite some time, but obviously. From the you time guys, you brought us on board, yeah, it was probably it was less than two months. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it was great because, you know, we kind of jumped on board. We put this whole thing together at Brookside. Uh, had our golf tournament. We, you know, got great support, had a great day, raised a lot of money. And I think we, uh, 
kind of got hit with a dose of reality. Like, wow, like this is a platform that we probably didn't realize we had. And, um, you know, from that, I think you were like, dude, let's, let's start a foundation. Like we can start a foundation and you can do more of this and you can raise more money and, and you can have more of an impact. And, uh, that's kind of our history of how we got this thing rolling. Well, and I look to you guys and, and I remember the first time that we, uh, you know, uh, that I brought you guys to the dream center for night of dreams. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you wrote a, a, I think it probably a $2,000 check the first night. And, and I just sat there. I was like, man, I was like, they don't know the impact that they're going to have in this community. And to know that that first time you gave $2,000 to the dream center, big baller, $2,000 <laughs> to now, I mean, you, you did well over $200,000 to the community of Los Angeles and helping the community out. And that you, I mean, you can applaud, you can, Give me the applause button, whatever, because you guys truly, you know, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I use do. that board. Use I that will board. Do that. Yeah, you guys truly made an impact, and, and seeing where you guys have come from, and, and you know the the spotlight wall at CHLA that we're so excited about the uh, the board of UCLA, the the uh, Operation Men. Uh, there's so many great things happening with the foundation, and when when I wanted to help you guys start this foundation. You know, in my heart, I, wa- I said, I said, I want this to be the most impactful athletes foundation in Los Angeles. And, 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 I, and I'll tell you guys, I think it is one of the most impactful foundations. I mean, I mean, what you guys do, the people that you impact, the people that we come across in all the autograph signings. They, thanks, Justin. Thanks for what you do. We get stuff on Instagram all the time of, of people of, of reports that, hey, so my friend met you. He's a veteran, you know, and so. I mean, you guys do great things and, you know, I don't come on here to stroke your guys' ego, but I do because it needs to be, you guys need to be thanked That's for what you guys are doing. Yeah. No, and so, you know, your impact is great and, and, you know, I can't think of anything better to do. Um, obviously my job, people say, so what do you do in life? I say, well, I help with Justin and Courtney Turner's foundation and I also work at the Dream Center and I can't think of a more rewarding thing in life to do as a job than what I do get to do every single day. And that's help people and help people achieve their dreams, help, help you guys achieve what you guys want to in the foundation. And so just awesome. I remember when we first talked about the foundation and you were speaking about all these goals and fundraising and all these things we can do. And I was kind of like, okay, yeah. Like who, you know, cause in the beginning you're just not realizing the reach that you can have and how many people will be on board. And I think every time we finish an event or a fundraiser, we're, still all so blown away by how much we were able to do and, and the impact we're making. I think I still have to kind of realize that, you know, it's actually happening and every, yeah. And everything that, that Clint talked about wanting to do through the foundation is, is happening. So. Yeah, it's been, it's been a a special ride and we're, we're not done. We're, we're just getting started. Hopefully we can, uh, saddling up continue to continue to grow and continue to, uh, you know, reach out and, and have an impact in our community and help people, you know, get through tough times. I think that's the most important thing. And, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of need in the world right now. So, uh, we're doing our best to, to reach out to as many people as we can. I mean, more than ever now is there need, uh, at the dream center, we have waiting lists now, uh, for people, for veterans to get in our program. Obviously at the dream center, what we did is, we came together as a team and said, at this time, we're going to shut down all of our programs, not shut them down, but put pause on them of, of bringing people into the programs because of the whole COVID thing that was happening uh, in the beginning where, you know, you didn't know who was going to have it coming in. Uh, obviously, there's a few nonprofits that didn't shut down, but they do have, you know, some cases. And, and so we shut down all our programs, but then we started them back up as we closed out the, the giving line. We reopen up our programs and, and the waiting list now for people that are on, you know, drugs and, and have an alcohol addiction now and, and suicidal, suicidal thoughts, 300% is what the suicide line at the VA went up to. They went up 300%. Wow. Wow. Um, LAPD had 25, uh, 25% uptick in this, their suicide line. And so it's important for us now to be there for these people and, and find them a home and just find them a place they can lay their head. That's our whole thing at the dream center is we have to, 
you have to find a place where these people can lay their head at night and just re- rest and just relax and, and get their minds off things and, and help them fix their problem because we don't want to see them in the situation ever again. And so we usually help them out and, and, you know, help them get to the next level. Yeah, I think it's tremendous. And I think the thing that the Dream Center offers, uh, obviously a lot of different programs and a lot of different people and a lot of support systems. But the, the main thing I think uh, that I've noticed is the hope people go in there with the hope to, you know, get back on their feet and get their lives back together and, and start moving forward instead of moving backwards. And um, the support system that's there because so many people are going through the same program and going through the same problems and uh, to be able to see growth in, in the people around you every single day and, and provide that hope, provide, provide that light um, for you to walk to is incredible. And um, we're just so happy to be a part of, of your guys's program and, and what you guys do at the dream center. Yeah. We're always excited to share their mission with everyone and introduce so many different, that's my favorite thing is bringing someone to the dream center and having them take a tour and really see everything that you guys do. Cause I can't even explain it sometimes. Like they really just have to see it in person to, yeah. to really get it. I think the amazing part is people don't even know it's there. Like people drive by it every single day on the one-on-one and have no idea what that big yellow building is on the side of the freeway up on the hill. And then you take them to it and they, see everything that you guys are doing and the outreach that you have and, and the impact that you're having on the computer, on the community. And you're like the realization, like, wow, how did I drive by this every single day and not know this place was here? It's like, you can just see it on people's face the first time they go and the first time they experience it and, and start to learn about, you know, everything that goes on there. It's really cool. So we shared how we ended up at the Dream Center through Clint. So how did a former Royals and Kansas City Chiefs fan <laughs> end up going from Kansas City to L.A. and landing at the Dream Center and really just kind of having your life woven into this fabric of the city as much as it is? Yeah, well, I, I actually probably came home from a Royals game one night. It was a Friday night, I can remember. And they lost. Uh, they did lose. They, we, the Royals had a lot of losing seasons. Uh, I, I could share a story of when Allard Baird, the GM of the Royals at the time, I called him out for trading Jermaine Dye. Uh, Love Jermaine Dye. For Nafi Perez. Didn't you write a letter or something? Uh, no, There's I called him out on the radio. On the I radio. Called you called him on the radio. That's right. called him out on the radio and, and told him it was the worst trade that he could ever make and that he will ever make in his career. Uh, Jermaine died for Nafi Perez. I love Jermaine. Jermaine was a World Series champion with the White Sox. We Ooh, know. We, Court guy. knows that. Yeah. Court knows all about that. Court knows that. And and so the next day, Allard Baird uh, called me into his office, and I had a nice little meeting with Allard Baird, <laughs> and he tried to prove the trade to me of why it was such a good trade for the Royals, and it wasn't. And, and to this day, it was never a good trade. So, um, But I did come to the Dream Center in 2002. Um, I was actually watching their TV show one night, uh, they had a TV show that came on at 12 a.m. in Kansas City, uh, 12 a.m. in Kansas City. And I was watching their TV show, and Tommy Barnett was on the TV. And he and he's like, we need volunteers to come to the Dream Center and work with us. So Tommy uh, is Matthew's it, dad. Yep. Was that your attempt at the yeah, Tommy that, raspy that voice? Yeah, that, <laughs> that was, was raspy good. voice. That wasn't bad. That wasn't bad. And so um, right then I sat there. I was 21 years old, and I was working in an answering service, answering phones for doctors and lawyers. And... And I said, man, I want to move to L.A. and work at this place. It seems cool. So I uh, faxed in an application to him. Faxed. I faxed in an application, told my parents I was going to move to L.A. And I, uh, I moved to Los Angeles to uh, work in communications for the Dream Center. And the communications department at the time was working on cell phones and office phones, making sure they worked. And so that was my job <laughs> at the Dream Center when I first moved here. Uh, I was 21 years of age, and I, I just made sure that everybody's cell phones worked properly. Wow. That's, and that's crazy. That was it. That <laughs> was my job. started off making an immediate impact yeah. with the dream. It's like center. a mailroom guy working at a, an yeah. agency, you know, you, you know, go right into the, uh, communications department. We also might have to explain what a fax is to some people. <laughs> Did you have one at the house or do you have to go to like a Kinko's? I had to go somewhere. Okay. And because I cringe, I still cringe every time, uh, you see on a form that says fax it in. I say, who has a fax machine? Right. Nobody yeah. has fax machines. Yeah. It's you know? crazy. Yeah. And now people just take a picture of it and email it over. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. So that's how so, I came to the Dream Center. So you started as a 
communications expert and you climb the ladder and I love that you were the communications ex it's like on the bachelor when their title is something but then you're really like oh they're just like you were fixing phones but you your title was communications expert yeah like I'm the social distancing expert now because there's not one out there so I I am that now and so yeah so I I did that and I I worked for the dream center until 2007 or 8 we parted ways and I uh, went and worked for Paul Abdul right after that. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. interesting. What a pivot. What a pivot. pivot yeah, we, Paula. we would love to talk about Paula Abdul for a minute. I think you, uh, <laughs> what you, you, you ran her PR technically. Or? I was her assistant. You were her assistant. I was her assistant. Okay. Yeah. I was more business assistant than personal. Okay. Um, I handled a lot of business things, different TV shows, American Idol. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. So, that was fun. You know, I'm sweating because of Paul Abdul talk now. Uh, I could turn the air up if you need me to. No, it was, it was, it was good. Uh, Paula's a great lady, and she was fun to work with. Uh, there was always a great day working for Paula, and, uh, and I know Courtney saw her a couple, maybe last year in the bunker at Dodger Stadium and said that she knew me, and Paula went crazy and jumped and Yeah, screamed. she was straight Is up with me. Is that how it went? <laughs> Did she straight up not tell you? <laughs> Is it going to be Clint? Yeah, I think my favorite part of Paula is is every time she would come into the room, I would be on YouTube uh, and I would play one of her songs as she would walk into the room. So you played her intro music. You gave her a rush, walk rush, song. yeah. So rush, you were rush, like one of the best, the original DJ Severe. Well, yeah, I am the original DJ. Original so, DJ, yeah, we know. We yeah. know the people don't know, but we know you're you're also a DJ at weddings and events. Well, that's how I met my wife. Yes. That's how he reeled her in. Are we sharing the story? I, I guess we could. Let's hear about we it. We were at the Greystone Mansion. Yep. In, uh, not off, the club. Off Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> yeah, not uh, the club. It was uh, my sister-in-law and brother-in-law that were getting married. Uh, you know, it's Diana's brother who was getting married at the time. Oh, and, I was like. Yeah, <laughs> I was trying to figure that one out. Yeah. I'm like, I might be from Arkansas, but I'm trying to navigate this a little bit here. Um, so they were getting we married. We can edit that and, out. Uh, and I saw Diana in... Um, I looked at her and, and I never went to weddings and did weddings and picked up anybody from the wedding party. That wasn't, that wasn't who I am. You know, I had just flown in, uh, from a long flight. I forget where I was. And, and my guy, I had a guy that would go around and set up my equipment for me. And so Ooh, I could just roll in big balling. Yeah. So I could just roll in and, uh, and DJ the, the wedding and then leave. And so I, I, I saw her, she was, uh, she had a boyfriend at the time and, and, they weren't sitting together and I saw her and, and she saw me and she was asking where the restroom was and I was crossing her and I was like, wow, you look hot tonight. Yeah. And just, wow. and just put it all out right there. there. And, and you, you know, sh- you, you took your, sh- you shot your shot. Had to, that was before shooting your shot was cool. <laughs> and so I, I shot it and, uh, and one thing led to another. She ended up getting my email address and, oh wow and uh, yeah. emailing me some pictures from the wedding, kind of small talk there. And I asked her if she ever wanted to go out for coffee. I'm not really a coffee drinker, but I thought, hey. That's, You'd rather go for a, Coca, a classic Coca-Cola. Yeah, that's, that's a correct. fun thing to say is coffee. And so we ended up uh, going out. We actually went to Hooters for our first date. For coffee? Oh, I actually, Who goes was, to Hooters for coffie? coffee? That, you didn't go to date. Hooters for coffee. No, no, that was Wait, the second Wait, didn't date. you go to the Santa Monica one? Yeah, so we went to okay. Hooters was second date. It was uh, the, uh, what that what's that place called? It was in Santa Monica too. Uh, coffee House. It was no, a coffee it was another, place. It was another not Brennan's, but another uh, another place like that. And we went and watched uh, the Lakers were playing the Celtics at the time. Uh, and that's when they lost to the Celtics in the championship. Oh, wow. So, so you were devastated. Yeah, 2008, yeah. Even though you were like a big Kansas City guy. Well, yeah, but, I'm, but I, I've been out here for He's a chameleon. Years, you know? I know. We know. So my whole thing is you support your hometown teams. The, the home that you live in, the place that you pay taxes at, you support those teams. And so that's why I root for that the Dodgers. Sounds that's why like an argument for a Fairweather fan to me. I root for the Rams. Like, that's why, you know. Yeah, it sounds like you wear like a Rams sweatshirt over a Chiefs jersey if the Rams are playing the Chiefs. I mean, there's no better place. I mean, and, and you you don't know this because you haven't been there, but there's no better place to watch a football game than Arrowhead Stadium. I've been there. I just haven't been there for a football game. Yeah, there's no better place to because watch Because when game. you go into Kansas City and you play the Royals, it's you right actually the, bu- the bus actually, I think... If I'm correct, I've only been there once or twice. It pulls but right in the middle. It pulls like down the ramp in the middle. Mm-hmm. So if you go right, you're at the football stadium. If you go left, you're at the baseball stadium. They kind of share the same parking lot. Can we lot, not so. talk about the Royals? That was supposed to be my 30th stadium this I year. I know. Yeah. I know. COVID. Wah, wah. COVID gotcha. Yeah. Man. Um, 
Okay, so wait, did you play any special songs that night for? No, Anna? no, because no. Uh, would they you say had, when you the... saw her, it was like a like a song played in your head, like the Zach and Kelly breakup on Saved by the Bell, like the. Oh, that's how, such a great song. How yeah. am I supposed to live without yeah. you? Like, did any song like in your mind just like time no. stood still? The disco ball was spinning, but like you have a song that comes to mind. No, because I really wasn't into uh, dating at the time. I mean, I was I would just work nonstop, and so. Um, at that time I was kind of doing my thing and, and I, there was tight restrictions on me that night where I had to play what the bride wanted. Yeah. And so I didn't, couldn't play any just normal stuff. So it was a list already made and you just hit play and hundred percent. Yeah. That was, that was the most restrictive wedding I've ever been. A Is part that of. the best way to DJ or do you hate, do you hate that? Or do you want to like be able to do your own thing? No. And cause especially for weddings, uh, the bride and groom need to pick what they want. Oh yeah, and, we, we and, picked most yeah, of our songs, and that because that, that's important. And he didn't do it, but he did great. But DJ Cabo Alex was DJ Cabo Alex insane. absolutely crushed. No, he was it, good, but he didn't. Clint actually brought he his, brought his equipment his equipment down to Cabo because I blindly hired this DJ. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, man. based off of other people's referrals through the hotel and my planner and all that, but I had never really heard anything about it and i always say the two most important things at a wedding i don't care about flowers napkins yep. place that any photography in your reception i was going to say food and music okay Ooh. but same thing Ooh. and yeah the so, photos are important too though yeah yeah i would say those are great but mm-hmm. for the guests for the guests yeah yes. for the guests because that's what the, and that's my yeah. thing when i would go and meet with brides is that i i would do my own thing like you're getting when I go to your wedding or when you meet with me about your wedding, I'm not sending Herbert out to do your wedding. I'm sending myself out there. To was do that wedding. your assistant? No, Herbert. No, it was Dave. Okay. His name was Dave. Yeah. And so, um, Weiss, Dave, no, Weiss? no, no. Oh. And so, uh, um, so that's important. That's important for the bride to pick the songs because yeah. that's your, that's what the guests are going to go to the bride three weeks later and tell her, Oh my gosh, you look so good and your reception was incredible. And so that's kind of my mindset. And that's why I got into weddings when I was 17 years of age is because I went to a wedding. There was an old guy with a big old white beard that was doing, you know, there's music. And I was like, was I, it, was it that Santa guy? No, I went up to him and asked him, I said, I said, sir, it's cause he was awful. And I said, how much are you getting paid tonight? And he told me he's like 1200 bucks. And this was back when I was 17 years old and I was like 1200 bucks. I could do that. That's more than you made at McDonald's. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So. And so is that what you started? Was that your rate? Twelve hundred bucks. About yeah, about that. Dang. That's, yeah. That's good. And how many hours? Five hours? No, you would. I would usually say just for your reception, because really, if if it's if the reception is still going, you never want to be that buzzkill with the bride and groom and say ah. We're, we're done. If yeah. you if you hire me for 1200 bucks, you're going to get me the whole entire time. I'm wow. going to be the last one to leave. Oh, I like that. Is that on your website, that promise? No, well, there's no website anymore. You're I'm, not going to be the last one to leave because you have an assistant. You just walk yeah, out exactly. the assistant's last I'm one. I'm partially leave. retired now, but I still have my equipment to be able to do stuff. You did you bring it. Time. You did bring it and just in case DJ Cabo Alex didn't show or that didn't deliver. But DJ Cabo Alex was so good that... Jen Utley actually hired him for Chase's 40th birthday. She did. Wow. Yeah, we had a we reunited and uh, we had a good time that night too. It was great. Yeah, but I would love to hear DJ Cabo Clint at some point. DJ Cabo Clint. <laughs> what was the most requested song at weddings? Oh man, that was years ago though. Um, yeah, but it's probably the same. People love like chicken dance. Probably the worst wedding I ever did though was on a boat. Shout. Shout was that always I popular? I think that's the one no. that DJs play that you're like, yeah, that's no, one you don't want to play. No chicken dance, no mockery. I like the, ca- I could dance. get down with the Casper slide but you, though, but part one think, and two. You got to think though, it's it's brides that are picking these songs, it's not yeah. DJs. And so, um, you know, it, it, it ranged, it ranged because you would do a country wedding, you would do oh, a yeah. hip hop wedding, yeah, of course. you would, I mean, it ranged on what you did. I've yeah. talked so much about my love for power ballads and country, and I had some of those on the list. I didn't hear them because DJ Cabo Alex just knew what the people wanted that night, and yeah. it wasn't it wasn't that. It was it was a vibe. High octane is what he played. He did. Yeah, definitely. He kept it was a good going. night. It, it looked raging. like a lot of the guys walked through a sprinkler on the dance floor. I they was were drenched. Sweating. I was soaked. Profusely. I was soaked. It was Cabo. Oh, Rich. Rich Hill. <laughs> Rich Hill. Turner was Ward. A, Turner Ward was drenched. There were some sweaty men on the dance floor. Clayton didn't even have a shirt on, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was hot. Can't blame good. him. It oh, man. 
Wow. Clint, where do we even go from there? Baseball. Just... I want to talk baseball. Oh. I want to oh. ask you some questions. I forgot wow. he is a co-host today. Yeah. Wow. So he okay. can we're, ask some uh, questions. We're turning the tables here. So, I mean, I mean, Justin, I'm sitting here as a fan. Of the and, Royals. And it's, no, you know. <laughs> of it's, the Dodgers. I don't know who we're drafting tonight, Clint. <laughs> exactly. We're, we're, it's on Wednesday, June 10th right now, or we're, what we're doing right now. Where do we stand as fans? Like, where, where are we at with this whole baseball thing? Yeah, it's tough. I think um, from a player side, obviously, you know, we want to play. We want to play as many games as possible. Um, we're, I can't speak for the other 29 organizations, but I know the Dodgers, um, Dodger Stadium's open and um, Arizona Camelback Ranch is open for guys to go in and train. Um, we are limited to what we can do because of the guidelines and regulations. And I think there's a, there can only be like three people, three players at a time at the stadium. So we all get our time slots. So, um, but we're staying ready. Guys are throwing bullpens, guys are throwing lives, um, taking at bats, um, just staying sharp because we know that hopefully, um, we can come to agreement here real soon. Um, and, uh, once that happens, things are going to start happening pretty quick. And, and I know there's going to be at least a three week spring training. Um, that's what guys have kind of vocalized and said they need. And, um, you know, I'm still holding out and hoping that, um, you know, I, I hope we can have a July 10th start date. I, I think we dropped the ball by not getting it done so we can start, start on July 4th. Cause what would have been more patriotic than, you know, having opening day on, on July 4th. But, um, you know, we're working, it's, it's, it's going from both sides. And as the fans, I get it. I know you guys just want to see us play and, um, you want to see us get on the field and, and we do owe that to you. We just want to make sure that we are taking care of the game of baseball as players for the future, um, that comes along behind us and making sure we're not, you know, giving in or screwing anything up that, you know, has negative effects on, on players who are coming along after us. So, um, it's tough. It's a delicate situation, but I know we're, we're working and I'm constantly on phone calls and everyone's trying to do everything in their power to, to make sure we get this thing done and we get as many games as possible. If we do no fans, is it different? I mean, obviously I, I'm a professional softball player, so I know <laughs> what it's like to play in front of no fans. Softball or kickball? Yeah, softball. Oh, okay. So it's not a professional kickball player. Yeah, so <laughs> I'll tell you that. So is it different? So will it be different for you guys to play in front of no fans you know, I mean, pumping up, I mean, in the ninth inning, you know, runners at first and second, is that going to be different than having 50,000 fans in the stands? Uh, yes, it's going to not be enjoyable at all. We want to play in front of fans, especially as Dodgers. Uh, we have the best fans in all of baseball. Not only do we have 4 million fans come a year into Dodger Stadium, but uh, you can ask anyone around the league and we travel as good as anyone. Um you know, I, I listened to uh, Ross's podcast yesterday and he had David Price on and he talked about how, you know, when we played in Boston, the the amount of Dodger fans that came into Fenway was he'd was never awesome. he'd yeah. never seen so many visiting fans in Fenway in his entire career. And he talked about how good the Dodgers travel. And I think that's the sentiment sentiment around the league. So um, it's something that we feed off of the the energy, the adrenaline, the music, the cheering uh, even the booing and, and the fans that talk smack. I mean, it's, it's kind of like the inner Michael Jordan in us. And you, you talk a little smack. It gives us a little chip on our shoulder too. That's all I needed. That, that's all I needed. I'm gonna go hit a Homer. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, it's gonna, it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be, it's gonna be hard to get motivated every day when you know, you're not showing up to put on a show for people in person. Now we do know that you know, a lot of people are going to be watching on TV. So we're still mm -hmm. putting on a show and we still want to go out and perform. And we know that people are still watching. It's just, it's going to be a different feeling not having, not having the people in there and, uh, you know, not being able to throw balls up in the stands to, to little kids and, um, you know, wave to people wearing your Jersey and, and it, it's, it's going to be different. I love the KBO that they now have stuffed animals I behind home plate. <laughs> so I would love that job to be the stuffed animal placer. And maybe I'll throw your jersey on a few of them so That'd you be can great. feel like you know, we, you're there. Are we going to have to go to the Santa Monica Pier and win a lot of um, carnival games to get the oversized yeah. stuffed animals to put in the seats? Or yeah. how does that work? I'm looking at this photo. There's a few SpongeBob's. There's a Winnie the Pooh. 
Ted is oh, there. Oh, Ted's there? Yeah. Wow. He's probably the heckler, though. I hope we didn't bring any paraphernalia in. I see Stitch. <laughs> <laughs> Stitch and the other ones are... Oh, um, Pikachu. Ooh. There's a lot, it seems like a lot of yellow. A lot of yellow stuffed animals, no? Yeah, there's some pink... Oh, there's actually... I don't know what this one is, but there's like... 40 stuffed animals in one chair. So maybe it's just a big family of, oh, bear, of yeah. bears. They're not social distancing. The stuffed animals do not have to social distance. No, I think they're safe. I yeah, love I, that though. I it, love the creative ideas. Though. It's kind of cool. I, I don't know. We talked about uh, the uh, mannequins in the Taiwanese league. And then uh, I don't know if we talked about it on here, the soccer league that actually uh, got in trouble because they had inflatable um they got fined a hundred million dollars for having sex dolls they put the sex dolls in the i think stands. it was did a, you hear about this yes i did oh i think it gosh. was a mistake it was i mean obviously it was a big mistake a hundred million dollar mistake but um <laughs> wow <laughs> there we go i love uh, it though yeah it's still not the same i mean you you can put whatever you want in the stands there's nothing like uh you know seeing a family come out and you know seeing your Season ticket holders and and whatnot and who like, how in the world are we going to play a baseball game without you know Mary Hart sitting behind us? I don't know. I don't know if we're going to be able to do it. Maybe they would just allow Mary if you just make an <laughs> exception. We'll all stay six feet away. I can't wait to sit in the home run seats, the oh, new edition. Yes. I think Clint and I are going to post up. Who's our friend out in uh, the outfield? Why am I blank? He's. I hope he doesn't listen. But he is the one that caught your walk off homer. Oh yeah. He ca- he catches all the home runs. Yeah, so I think he actually had maybe this is I'm mixing him up with the other guy that's caught like everyone in like around the country, but I think he I really think he has like a spray chart and he kind of knows where a majority of them are going to go cuz his positioning it's like when you guys shift and there's a line drive and it's just you just put the glove out and it's in it. Like yeah, that's Keith up. Keith. Did yes. you have yeah. to phone a friend? Did you no, have to no, look no. that I, up? No, I just my microphone was off, and so I, I so last year Clint ac- <laughs> actually got an invite from yeah. Keith for us to sit with him. And when they started the home run seats with all the new renovations at Dodger Stadium, I was like, "How great would it be to sit with Keith in those home run seats?" You know, it'd be amazing if we if you guys did a podcast with Keith live, like during a game. It's you when just, like, like Nomar and Alana sit we out there. We could totally do that. Yeah, just bring it. We got to get a little portable pod and then we'll we to bring work on the tag. We're not allowed to call the game though. No, 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 no. But podcast, just interviewing Keith and talking yeah. about how he moves around and how he comes about his scouting reports. That'd be awesome because he has caught a lot of sig- significant. I homers. think he catches a lot of flack for it too. I think not a lot of people are happy that he Keith. catches all the homers. Yeah, I think. Why? Because I don't know. There's Grab a few a guys. Grab a glove. Go out and compete yeah, with bring him. Yeah, in. there's a guy that I think he wrote a book. Actually, my brother was telling me about him. That's caught. I don't know how many he has, and people are mad at him. They're like, leave it for kids. Share and, the wealth and all of that. I know. I remember when you threw me my very first ball at a game, and I was Pittsburgh. So, was so excited. Yeah, it was a, a little over a year ago, and I was just my sitting favorite, there. My favorite park, by the way. Love, I love Pittsburgh and my sister was with me and I'm just looking at it and I was like, Oh, my. well actually the first one you threw Corey Seager's dad just reached his massive his mitt. Big he was paw. not wearing a glove, but his large <laughs> hand and just snagged it. And I was like, Oh man. And he was like, ha ha. Oh, was that for you? And my heart sunk. Cause I thought that was my one shot. Mm-hmm. And then you threw another one the next inning when you were coming off defense and this little kid came up. And he was like, Miss Turner, may I have that ball? <laughs> and I was like, uh, sure. And I was so sad. And then, of course, I'm still upset about it. And then he comes right back over and he's like, can you actually sign it for me? I thought he was coming to give it back to me because he saw how sad I was. But he had you sign it. Yeah. So I had to sign it away. He actually still like tweets you and Instagram messages. Yeah, you, he right? sent me a few messages. And yeah, yeah one of his parents sent me a message cute little kid huh what's great is we can always get baseballs from justin but it's the excitement of getting it thrown to you i remember in boston you threw one and i wasn't aware of the seats at boston oh wow we have excuses and i here it comes and when i went to go catch it my arm came down and hit the metal seats and it hurt so bad It, it was and where'd the ball go 
somebody else caught it. Oh, man. Yeah, That's my news. fear because I actually think that there's going to be one beautiful moment where I catch a foul ball from you and it's going to somehow end up on ESPN. But then I'm also afraid that I'm going to miss it and it's also going to end up on ESPN. <laughs> so I don't know. I feel like the easiest is the little underhand toss. Like you're, you either, did. you're either going to be a blooper or a web gem. Yeah. There's no in between. I would embrace it either way. I think you need like a, it needs to be in San Diego when you have the wine flute and you like catch it in the big wine yeah. flute. Yeah. I think be... at Dodger Stadium, they don't put the family section on the Jumbotron. I no. think that's kind of like a unspoken yeah. rule, which yeah. um, sometimes you're ready to do the bongo cam or the Lion King cam <laughs> or you want to do the flex cam. Who are you holding up in the Lion King cam? <laughs> <laughs> which one of the wives? Probably cat. Oh, I don't know. Someone, I just grabbed someone's kid. Oh, yeah. Or someone's dog. Yeah. Sometimes they have their dogs there. And okay. I'll just symbol one of their dogs. Not our dog? No, maybe. Oh, okay. I've had her there once or twice. Don't worry, Moon. I would symbol you. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But yeah, I think we're all looking forward to something fresh because I'm every week we do the podcast and I look through all my sports news. And while things are happening, it's kind of bleak out there. I was looking at this Michael Jordan Marlin tournament. That's where we're at with sports news, apparently. Oh, man. <laughs> hey, that thing was huge. Did you guys see it? It was the Blue Rock, Big Rock Blue Marlin tournament. It was on Catch 23. I love a clever boat name. I always think about what mine would be, and I don't know what it would be, but I absolutely love that it's Catch 23. There's nothing that Michael Jordan can't do now. He catches fish. Right. Well, well the, the best was all the memes that came along with it. Like <laughs> that was all I needed. Yeah. Someone did the cry. Someone did the crying Jordan meme. I over the Marlin. That I didn't caught. notice it. Court showed it to me and I was like, yeah, I saw a big fish. And she's like, no, look. And I'm like, and yeah, just, it's a huge fish. And she's like, no, zoom in. And I zoomed in and it was the crying Jordan. eye <laughs> on the Marlin. It was great. So there's a $3.4 million prize for this tournament. And even though that massive, it was, 442 pounds he was only in fifth it's still going on i think he's in fifth place after that yeah someone caught a 494 pound fish for first place jeez where are they fishing i think it's north carolina oh my oh my right off the outer banks yeah you guys watch that show no but i heard that in the entire drive through era of three straight months that's the only show that you watched was outer banks i have to watch it i've heard a lot about it but he did an interview kind of like well i guess it's not over so it's not like a post tournament interview but he said he hopes to come back and get a little bit bigger of a fish jeez i mean I wonder if that's like the biggest fish he's ever caught, though. You caught, well, you had a run in with a marlin initially. Well, and I, then pulled I, it off. Yes. The first time we went out, I hooked a marlin and got it within like 15, we were 20 in Cabo. feet. Yeah. 15, 20 feet of the boat. And it jumped out of the water and shook its nose or whatever and spit the hook out. So I lost him. And the, the worst part about it was about 10 minutes later we hooked another fish and chase's and jen's oldest boy ben jumped in the chair and reeled in this dorado uh and for about a year he told everyone that he was a better fisherman than me because he pulled the fish in the boat and i lost my marlin <laughs> well justin what did i eat for lunch that day did i eat your marlin or did i eat the you, dorado we had the best mahi fish tacos that courtesy day. Of so good of Ben Utley. Benjamin Utley. So Benjamin I mean, Utley. when we want to talk about a better fisherman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so the next year we went back <laughs> out and I got my redemption and I hooked up another Marlin and pulled it on and it was only like 120 pounds maybe. The um, thing was massive. Yeah, I thought it was massive until I saw what Jordan just pulled out of the water. It was like a guppy. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I've, I was reeling. Our captain was great. Martin was great. He, yeah. he put the boat in reverse, so he was like reversing as I was reeling. So it made it like a. I wonder what? if that's Smart. allowed in the tournament. I don't, I don't know. Why wouldn't it be? Yeah, I guess. I don't know, but it made it like a. I don't know. It felt like an hour, but it was probably what like twenty minutes yeah. of like bringing the fish in. I and think I, was, I did a time lapse. You just kept saying your forearms were on oh, fire. Oh, on fire. My low back, my forearms from just reeling and reeling and reeling and reeling. And I, I, it might've been like 12 minutes, but it felt yeah. like an hour and it was a 120 pound Marlin. I can't imagine what reeling in a 400, would you, how, how much? 450? 
So Jordan's was 442 and the oh. one in first right now is 494. I can't imagine. What kind of fishing pole do you have to that I mean, you're using a is a light pole? It has to be a thicky. Yeah. For sure. The girth on that pole. Wow. Justin, I do not want to click the explicit box. We talked about this in the beginning of the show. I'm talking about a fishing pole. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So that's that's our sports news. We also, I mean, we could talk about Reggie Bush. Reggie's back. I'm not, yeah. Obviously, I'm not a USC girl, but I remember 10 years ago when all of that happened. Yeah, I mean, he, Clint, we were talking a little bit about it before, uh, arguably, arguably one of the best, USC teams ever, you know, Pete Carroll, Reggie Bush, Lendell White, um, Matt Leinart. It was, I was at Fullerton at the time and, uh, Corey, who's my best man, uh, we would drive down to USC to go, went to a couple games and it was awesome to watch, man. They were incredible. So it's good to have him back. Yeah. He, it's awesome. And I, I just hearing the news today and, and, Seeing it, uh, Reggie's very excited too. I mean, it just—it seems like it's something that should have happened a long time ago. Exactly. And and I think that's been the whole thing with USC football is there's such a black eye on USC football right now and, and where they're at. And so I think now I think that that they can get back to really playing the way that they should. And, and they're a championship caliber team, and that's where they need to be. Yeah, I I agree and. You know, the whole thing was really unfortunate. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't remember the story, like, exactly. Um, but I, I feel like he was trying to help his mom out, right, with the mm-hmm. house. And NCAA came down on him and took his Heisman away. And USC banned him. And it was just, it was horrible. It was just a bad news story all around because, I mean, he's taking care of his family. Like, what do you expect him to do? And uh, he gets dinged for it. And now... Uh, you know, it's good to have Reggie Bush back and, and hopefully go to some USC games and see that number five Jersey back out on the field. Exactly. Yeah. I think I, there's a lot of these stories and I feel like you can't blame them for accepting it. And I, it's, it's sad when it comes down on the player because I don't know anyone in that situation that wouldn't have went along with it, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, and they're in like, I mean, you're talking about a high school kid, right? Like, and he's getting the opportunity to, you know, move his mom into a, into a new house. Like which high school kid's going to be able to, you know, resist that and, and say no to that. I mean, that's just, it's just a terrible situation. And I mean, there's so many issues in the NCAA. And I think, yeah. And I think NCAA is trying to correct itself now. Yeah. Uh, you know, past tense now. And so hopefully, you know, we'll hopefully see things get better for, <laughs> for college athletes, man. They, I mean, I was one of them, and uh, you know, it's not easy. It's it's tough. You you're thankful for the scholarship and the opportunity to um, get your education, but uh, you know, they don't let you work. They don't let you really do much. And uh, you know, if you're not on a big scholarship, uh, it's tough. Especially if you're one of the best players on the team, and and especially in football, which is, you know. The revenue in football is insane for the NCAA. They sold a lot of number fives. They sold a lot of number five jerseys. That's for they sure. They still sell a lot, a lot of number fives. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So uh, hopefully NCAA can you know start taking steps in the right direction and getting it right and, and taking care of their athletes that have took care of them for so many years. Yeah, I agree. Lots to look forward there. Getting back out to college football games. I guess you can go to all those USC games by yourself. When they play UCLA, we'll go. I'll go with them. I'm a USC fan now. Oh, you are? Wow. <laughs> oh, yes. What are you not a fan of? Everything. You're just team. You're just go yeah. team. Yeah, go team. He's you a big sh- He's a big wrestling fan. You should just have a generic jersey that just says fan on the back and number one, and you can just wear it anywhere. It should be every single color of the rainbow, and you can just pop on in to any game. Well, I think this is why he's such a big wrestling fan because there's no teams. It's just people. It right? is just people. Yeah. And, and you are a diehard wrestling fan. Oh, I've been a diehard wrestling fan since I was a little kid. And so, you know, I mean, I remember the first match I went to was Hulk Hogan and Kamala uh, back in like 1980 something. I don't know if we have enough time to, to 
dive into all your WWE stories and your relationships and your friends and your belts that you have in your office, but uh, we'll have to save that for another show. We Clint, will. Clint has a lot of layers. He's also a big Disney Disneyland fan, yeah. which I actually we got the news. This just popped up while we were recording that breaking. Dis- breaking. I don't think we're breaking it at this point, but well, July seventeenth, California no- Adventure Disneyland Park opening. Downtown Disney is going to open a little over a week before that, and. I don't know what it's going to look like. I've read a few things about capacity and no parades and no fireworks and no characters and what that's going to look like for me. I know you obviously have a daughter, Mm -hmm. but for me, a Disneyland with less people is kind of sounds exciting, but you obviously want to do the character meetings and the parades and the fireworks and all that. But for me, I'm just thinking more rides, more cars, more Incredicoaster, all that. Well, I can, I can tell you about Disney with 25% of the people because we go at eight o'clock in the morning on a Saturday (laughs) and there's not that many people there at 8 a.m. on a Saturday. Don't give that away, Clint. That's the secret. And, And it's great. But I think, I think Disneyland as a whole, I think getting back into the park is, is going to be special for people. That's just like baseball. I mean, watching the Dodgers on TV is going to be special for people, no matter how they get it. Uh, you know, I mean, just going there is going to be nice. And so I think through it all, the fireworks will start back up in a couple months and the, you know, the parades and stuff, but really just getting back into the park is a good first step. I wonder if it's going to be hard to get a ticket. Like it's probably going to be in pretty high demand, right? So how are I they going to read that it's going to initially, I don't know, this could have changed, but they're initially going to go to their pass holders and it's going to be similar to star Wars land where you have to make a reservation. So you'll have almost like a arrival slot, I think, or a day slot that you have to reserve. And then I think beyond the pass holders, they'll open it up to general admission. Yeah. I hope I, they, I hope they adjust it soon and it gets close to no, Cause we, I mean, we like to just jump in the car and drive down and go on a ride or two and then come home. Yeah. You know, so that's tough if you have to make a reservation. I picked a bad time to let my pass expire to Disneyland because now I'm not in the running for reserving a time slot. But hopefully you and I are very busy soon with baseball. So True. I wonder what that's going to look like too. Are they going to open up the passes or are they going to are they closed off? Like can people know. get new passes right now if it's They're on hold right now. So they'll they'll put everybody on hold and, and even selling single tickets. Yeah. That'll be also on hold. So Oh man. Wow. We'll see how it goes. But I mean, wearing a, a mask for eight hours in a park on oh, a hundred degree day that. doesn't sound yeah. the most intriguing thing to me. Well, that's what the characters do, Clint. True. <laughs> I, and as someone that has been a costume character, I've spoke about this a lot. It's, it's not easy. I was a Kmart blue light at a minor league <laughs> baseball park for an entire summer and they tried to install those little mini handheld fans in my blue light globe and they didn't work. And I, when I would go in the bathroom and take off my light bulb, I was similar to Turner Ward and Rich Hill at our wedding. I was just, <laughs> and I am not a sweaty wow. person. I've talked about, I only shower once a week. I'm not naturally sweaty and I was sweaty. So I, I can feel what the characters feel with the, with the masks on. <laughs> oh man. It's weird because all the places opening up Vegas, they're not really requiring math. I think some casinos are, Yeah. but I don't know if Florida, I'm assuming Disney parks all around would probably have the same uh, guidelines, even though it's Florida and they're a little different than California. Well, Florida is a lot bigger though than here. So I wonder, I mean, I guess it's still 25% capacity. That's not going to affect it. I wonder if you'll be able to have the park hopper though. In the 20, is it only one park or are you going to have, is it 25% to either or, or is it 25% for both? I think you have to make reservations for one or the other. I think that the first one's going to open on the 17th and the other one's going to open on the 24th. So then, you know, I think, but you're going to have to have the reservation for either or. I don't think they're going to let people come in and out. We might need to have a Disney expert on here. We have a lot of questions, yeah. obviously. We know a lot of Disney experts too. Yeah. Maybe we'll have to dig one out and, and have one on. <laughs> But yeah, lots to look forward to. Hopefully some more and more sports coming back. I know NBA, NHL is working it out. We talked about baseball. Golf starts tomorrow. Golf. Golf. We got NASCAR up and running, UFC. Boxing. Boxing is up. Starting to to feel a little more normal. Yep. Definitely. 
Well, that's going to do it for us. Clint. Well, thank you guys for having me on today. Do you think you'll come back and join us again? The third chair. I mean, if the ratings are good, okay. then I think that you guys will say, man, we have to bring him back to the third chair. Okay. We'll let, we'll let the people decide. I don't you, know if you can go by the ratings on a first episode. It would maybe be your second episode because the first time they're going to feel it out. So they go into it blindly. But then I well, think I if think, they return, if we have you back, that's when you truly know. I think we ask people you. to leave a comment and on the on the podcast and tell us how they feel about Clint. Yeah, go yeah. on Apple Podcasts and leave a rating only if it's a five-star rating. For whatever reason, it doesn't work if you leave four and under. So leave a five-star rating <laughs> and some feedback. <laughs> and let us know if you liked Clint on here. Yeah. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks, Let's go, uh, go Dodgers. Let's let the jingle take us out. Yes, let's do it. Thanks, guys. Bum 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 b